This is the Recorded Conversations Podcast, the podcast dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in an authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. TikTok. Um, you were commenting on a lot of my videos. And um, I really appreciate creating connections like that, that kind of grow organically, especially in the social media stratosphere. It's kind of my forte with podcasting is I meet someone and I'm like, hey, I kind of like the way you think you want to join me, you want to have a conversation. Because um, ultimately, my philosophy is we struggle with conversation, right? We don't know how right. to talk to each other. And so the premise behind my whole podcast was really influenced by a man named Theodore Zeldin. And he wrote a book called Conversation. And he's this, this old grandpa guy who travels all around the world just to have conversations with people. And his his philosophy is that we really can't expand our experience just through our own ignorant, narrow views and stories, right? We we're the, We already know our stories, but we don't know other people's. And it's when we learn other people's stories that we essentially expand our own purview of the world, right? And kind of go, oh, now I have another layer of understanding of humans. So essentially, that's the jive between behind my podcast. And kind of, I kind of took on that mission too. It's like, that's a great idea because I'm, I love conversation. Like, if you ask me what my hobby is, it's like sitting in front of a cup of coffee with a friend talking like all day. Um, so, yeah, so that's really really like what I want to do. And I just think a lot of the stuff that we talked about are going to be excellent topics for people to listen to, to help them really learn how to communicate better within their own relationship dynamics. So we'll get into all that. But Brad, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? How long you've been in your relationship? Do you have kids? Give me the bio, sir. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a 45-year-old male. (laughs) <laughs> um, I live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so above Wisconsin. Okay. Um, I do Amazon sales. Uh, there was a small mom and pop motorcycle ATV company. Um, they were struggling financially. They brought me in to see if I could help them with online sales. <clears throat> Turned into like a $5 million a year business of that portion of it. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's been really good. Um my i'll go back so i do have a son who lives around your area um through a prior relationship through my marriage before the divorce um met her in my late 20s early 30s decided to have a child um unfortunately was born with a heart defect um he was born like half a heart um didn't find out until he was born that he had that medical condition um then you know he's flown down to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we spent months there originally. 
And then, you know, a year or two later, we spent six months straight in the, in the hospital with them for these kind of complications. That was a really rough time in our life. Lost a house, lost a car, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, the marriage started to dissolve before the child was there, right? Like in my mind, you know, she started doing the nesting thing. She wanted a cat. So we got a cat. She wanted another cat, got another cat. She wanted a dog. She got a dog and her dog. So I thought, you know, it's because she wants a baby. She wants a child. Um, so let's have a baby. Right. Um, but looking back, it was not really it. Um, basically children can't save relationships, right. No. You've all heard mm -hmm. that. Right. Um, and I, I don't really know where that relationship completely went wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, because even now we're divorced, we're still really good friends. Like, um, That's when awesome. I go visit my son, I spend the night there. I spend the weekend there. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So we get along really well um, because we didn't, we didn't end in a bad spot. We basically realized we're just roommates. Um, neither of us are very happy in that situation. I was less happy than she was, but you know, um, for a child to grow up, they, I, my belief is they need to see their parents in a loving relationship. They need to have guidance on this is what a healthy relationship looks like. This is how healthy people communicate healthy people show affection. Um, that's really important to me because that's what I want my child to see as they grow up. Mm -hmm. um, so my current partner, we've been together for over seven years now. Okay. Amazing woman. Um, her life story, I mean, is just insane. We'll get to that. But um, amazing woman um, really has taught me a lot about the woman's perspective um, especially because, you know, she is a narcissist. And so a lot of the perspectives of many women is heightened for her. Um, I don't want to call it, how do you call that? Like, um, uh, how do I say that? You know, so like uh, how people form a connection in the beginning, a relationship, mm -hmm. uh, what the each partner will do for each other, how the conversations move back and forth and how they each get things they want to create that initial spark to everything. As a narcissist, she's really good at creating those connections. I mean, that's what feeds her. Um, and through our conversations over the years and just understanding, you know, kind of how it was just a heightened sense of womanhood for her, um, you know, it was really interesting. And then, yeah, so Okay. That's so that's really interesting. Cause I have to say, you know, what the experts tell us is there's really no hope for a narcissist, right? Oh, so Someone wrong. who's been, I, I tell me about it. It, it pushes against everything I believe about the power of transformation, but the experts will tell you, right. Narcissistic personality disorder is an awful personality disorder. It can crush relationships. And basically a lot of these expert voices will say things like they're basically irredeemable and you're going to have mm -hmm. to learn how to just sacrifice ever having a healthy functional relationship. And, you know, I just want to say like, ever since I started hearing these kind of narratives, I thought this can't be it, right? Like, well, number one, the field of psychology and psychiatry has been nothing but phenomenally impressive in the advancements that we make in understanding the human brain. Right. Mm -hmm. So are you telling me we're at a, we're, we're just at a, 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 right. a wall. We can't go any further. And, and, and I hear all these people all the time. Yep. It's cause they're a narcissist. And that means you just, you, they're toxic. They're done. You can't yep. have people like that. And I think 
this just this goes against everything humanity stands for right like the you you can you can get, suffering is the road to salvation you are redeemable right love is transformative and i think well what's the case here so she was diagnosed with this she's living with it you're mm-hmm. in a functional relationship with her yep. And I think what's interesting is you said she has a heightened sense of her kind of nature. Absolutely. Do you know, it's funny. And Simone de Beauvier pointed this out, you know, back when, when her big uh, thesis, uh, the second sex came out is essentially that women are naturally narcissistic creatures and we must be Mm -hmm. right. And that, that plays into, to, to the the mating selection process and Mm -hmm. basically our evolutionary and biologically wired programs, right? The reason a woman in the feminine spirit is so narcissist is because that's what it takes to pretty much make sure species survives. And so when we think about MPD being kind of that, that hyperized version of femininity in a woman, where I would probably then venture to guess that in men, it's more of the, the hyper masculine focus, right? And your masculine tendencies taking over, and ultimately struggling maybe with the integrative process. Um, but I just think that's so interesting. So anyway, so I'd like to hear about that. So you hear sure. about this. Yeah, and, absolutely. So and, she's yeah. actually very frustrated because she sees TikTok videos about mm. how bad narcissists are yeah. and stuff. And and the thing is, is I'll start with how she how her transformation happened, right? Because I would love to take a lot of the credit. I can't. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was internal, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> she was narcissistic for her entire life, started in childhood. And it, I believe it's kind of a coping mechanism mm-hmm. from childhood trauma um, when you basically have to rely on yourself for the affirmation that you matter and stuff like that. You seek ways to get that from other people because you're not getting it from your parents, right? right. Um, her her mom is doing really good now. I mean, like this is, I, I don't want to talk about better parents because it's, it, the, the relationship right now is so good. That's but anyways, good. so- <clears throat> Through her teens, she's used people. She knew how to manipulate men, especially to get what she wanted. The dopamine hits is what she mm. chased. The getting the guys to want her and then just abandon them to go to the next guy, but always keeping the other man on a leash, right? Always having a small little threat of control over them because that's where the power came from. That's what gave her the dopamine, right? She controlled these men. And she went through her first marriage. She went through other relationships like that. Uh, she met a, a gentleman um, and they decided that they were going to have a child together. Um, she tried believing that she could change this other narcissist mm. who was a drug addict, a serial cheater, an abusive person. She thought that she could change him because they have a child together. He should, he will change. He will be a better person. Yeah. And that broke her. That really broke her, right? She had to basically being abused physically, mentally, and then basically had to stand up for herself after all that and say, enough is enough. And then she left. And then she had her child, whether she was, she was protecting. And then at that point, she started looking into some of her behaviors, not a lot, but some of them trying to be a better person. And then when we got together, um, I am a very laid back tell me anything. I don't get offended. I don't judge you. Your past, your past, it makes you who you are. It's my philosophy. I don't care what you did in the past. If I like to present you, I'm glad that happened because that led up to who you are today. Mm-hmm. So a lot, me and her having these deep conversations, uh, she's 
you know, slowly divulging secrets about her past as she comes more comfortable for me with me. Um, and then realizing that some of the stuff that she was so afraid of telling me, because it does sound so awful. Um, and she tells me it and then she's, I'm kind of letting her know, yeah, you know, but here's how that person felt, you know, and here's what that did. And she's like, yeah, I can kind of see that. And then she started developing empathy towards me. She didn't have empathy the first year and a half of our relationship. She's a narcissist, right? So empathy is not something they're really good with. Um, and then through our relationship, the more communication, the more trust I gave her, I gave, I didn't put control on her, right? One of the things that she said as a narcissist was, if someone told her she couldn't do something, that made her want to do it. So if I told her she couldn't talk to other men, that's what she's going to do. If I told her she can't flirt, <clears throat> that's exactly what she's going to do. For me, it was more like, I don't care what you do as long as you're looking out for, you're not trying to hurt me. And she never felt the need to do that. She never felt the need to go out and aggressively do these things like she had to in the past. And then she started really looking back at her, her past behaviors. And even now, right now, she actually, we had a conversation just a little bit ago where she says that she recognized that she might've been using someone for a dopamine hit mm. and she felt comfortable talking to me about it right because i understand and then you know um she's brought up multiple times how in previous relationships and previous people how she would manipulate them to get what she wants and now she actively pays attention to those behaviors to make sure she doesn't do it she's multiple times she said a part of me wanted to do this and I realized that that's not what I should do. And it actually made her feel, I don't want to say in love with herself, but it made her feel a certain way that she made that other choice. Yeah. Really good and powerful about herself because she's always going to be a narcissist. She knows that. I know that. She's never going to change her behaviors completely, but she could manage them and do them in a way that's not harming other people. Yeah. Um, because yeah. And even, oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, and, and also because, and one of the reasons that it is hard for someone living with narcissistic personality disorder is that it essentially intertwines into your personality, right? And your personality is something that you kind of f mold in the beginning of your childhood based on your influences. And so that's why it is so difficult because you're ultimately trying to shift like fundamentally who you are in, inside, right? And so for her to be able to overcome that, recognize and walk in awareness of her own personality traits, right? And her own her own habits and her own proclivities to different behaviors just because something activates in her. For her to kind of stop and be a witness to that and make another choice is is awesome. I mean, that is transformative. Yeah. And I think- and the thing is, yeah, and, and here's what gets me is, right? It's like when her doctor or psychiatrist, when she got evaluated, they told her she was an actual narcissist. The, the the woman that was talking to her said that most doctors and nurses and these kind of people are narcissists because they have to be in order to succeed in that field where you can kind of see people dying day in, day out yeah, and not form these emotional connections with these people um, and have this heightened self-importance, right? Yeah. That you need that to be that. And no one looks bad at doctors or nurses. We all assume they're amazing people. They're great people. Mm -hmm. they're still narcissists right yeah. like they, they're still nurses um i guess any 
any celebrity, right? There's oh, I'm I'm with you on that. You have they're they're always an ego, right? And that's yeah. the trait about NPD is that t- typically they spend most of their time in ego, right? It's never they're never handing the reins back over to the authentic self. The ego always has control, and I think you you would need to depend on that in order to to not shatter your reality, right? As a, as an actor, right? And I think that all the time, you have to be high in ego. If you have any kind of high status or high profile career, if you're in front of an audience all the time, even Jordan Peterson to a degree has to have a, a, a level of narcissism in order to, I, I'm good at what I do. I'm confident in what I do. And, you know, I always wonder like, what if we just shifted the way we view narcissism? Right. Instead of just always putting it in this box of it's bad and it's it's like psychopathy and it's oh and it destroys and it's toxic. It's like, okay, but it is just a result of somebody's like childhood, right? Because ultimately narcissism is derivative of our childhood influences, whatever unhealed wounds we have, whatever traumas we experienced. And it is a production, it's a production of dysfunction, but it comes from our parents, right? And so well, the disappointing part about it for me is like, you get your diagnosis, that's it. You're a narcissist for life. And I'm like, is that like being an alcoholic for life? You're just always right. an addict. Nothing ever changes. And then I think, well, especially if you're repeating over and over again, I am my diagnosis. I am my addiction. Mm-hmm. I am this. You're going to live in that. You're going to over-identify it. It could to a degree exacerbate the problem, right? And so, and then I I, I know this isn't like, something a lot of people would even want to speculate on. But there's this idea too. We do see that psychology and psychiatry is directly linked to the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> so if the there's goal no is drug to, for that, <laughs> there's, there's no cure for all of mm-hmm. these things, but there's pills and you got to keep coming in and you got to keep seeing a therapist and someone who keeps telling you you're a narcissist, you're, you're pardon me, you're, you're redeemable. You know, they're always going to keep coming back for the service and paying for the program. And so there's, there's a little bit of that. That's where I would go, right? I'd have a little bit of skepticism behind this idea that just once you're diagnosed with something, that's it, you know, and just, you just got to deal with it and treatment forever. And so it's just, it's about being mindful. The one thing I always tell my clients, especially the ones who tell me, you know, I've been diagnosed with this and da da da. I'm like, but you're also not your disease. You're not your dysfunction, right? You're not your diagnosis. It's a part of you. It helps explain things about you. Mm-hmm. But that's ultimately not who you are, right? We are, we're really just a compilation of, of, of all of the experiences. And some yeah. of us don't get to start our life with like the best of experiences. And that, molds us into who we are and sure some of us are narcissists some of us are bipolar some are you know whatever and and this actually brings a good point because the first video i saw of yours i commented on was you're reading the book about the female brain yeah and in that book you were describing what they found about how women experience um love or sex drive or even um how they choose mating partners and how men differ from that and I thought that was something we're so scared of. Why are we so scared of our own body's biology and how it yeah. kind of makes us believe or act a certain way? Because if we can understand that this is our baseline, that this is typically where most people, not everybody, but most people start from, um, it's a really good understanding that, yeah, these are biological impulses. You should feel ashamed. Yeah. Women should not feel ashamed that they want a man who's really strong, who can earn a lot of money, because what does that mean? That means back in the old days, that was someone who could protect them and care for them and yeah. the children, and, and which is really important. And then same thing for men. Men are looking for 
young, attractive women who can bear children and, yeah, exactly. and all this kind of stuff. So that's what the male, the male drive might be. Now, it doesn't mean we are our lizard brain or whatever you want to call it. We don't, we don't right. have to do that, but it does explain where we start from. And I think if people could just step back and say, you know what? I am a human. My brain is automatically making me believe or want certain things because of my biology. Is that healthy for me? Should I really, is that really important in this day and age? Mm -hmm. Does someone making, I'm not a hunter gatherer anymore. I don't need someone who, do I really need someone that can really feel that hunter gatherer role and make all this money? Do I really need that? As for a man, do I really need a 20 year old curvy woman um, to bear my children if I'm no longer interested in having children anymore, right? If I only want children, do I, does that really matter to me? Um, and then it's also like you talked about one time, it's about how we perceive things of the world through our brain and all those chemicals are running through there dictates how we see the world and how I see it compared to how you see it. We can look at the exact same thing. We're both going to interpret it differently. And I think that's another part where people fail is that's where the communication is so important, right? Because it's, it's, how do I perceive what you are perceiving and how are you perceiving what I'm perceiving? If we can get on that conversation and just basically get a better understanding of people, I think that would like kind of diminish our own ego. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm always right. This is what's right because of what I see. Um, and another perspective just allows you to open up your eyes and have a little more empathy and, and understand that, yeah, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling, that might not be the reality. That's just my reality. Yeah. And, and so, and that's even a difficult thing to try and explain to a lot of people, right? Is like, there's only one reality is what a lot of people say. And I'm like, well, well, that's not entirely accurate. You know, there's my reality And I get to decide within my reality what impacts it and what doesn't, you know? So if you say something like, ah, the war in Ukraine doesn't really affect me. And suddenly everybody's outraged. How can you say that? Well, because at this current time, it's really not impacting me in any kind of like proximal way, not physically anyway, not in a way that's actually like, oh, suddenly I can't cook a meal tonight for my children. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. it's important. And and that reality falls in line with that truth. There's only one truth, right? And it's like, uh, well, I've I've taken some time and, and dove down the philosophical rabbit holes. And, and I, you know, the old philosophers would have never said such a ridiculous thing. You know, there's not one truth. Truth is subjective, right? The truth actually changes um, with the time periods. It, it, it changes from perception. But what that doesn't mean is mean that like what another person is saying isn't their truth. But to try and get everybody on this idea to what consider nuance, consider the gray space, not everything is black and white. It's like, you're asking them to, 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 to decide that up is down and down is up. And it's like, well, it's, it's not that, it's not that serious, actually. It's just, how about my lived experience is different than yours. And you're willing to just agree to that because disagreeing with it is just, you don't even have the evidence to disagree, right? You, you weren't even in my proximity to disagree with whether or not that experience was real for me or not. So let's just, right. you know what I mean? And it's like, I think with the rise of social media and the rise of everybody feeling obligated to opine on everything, then they, I don't know, develop this almost narcissistic attitude and that it's only my way. We can only do it this way. Nothing will ever change. And 
Well, I mean, there's some truth to that, right? Jean Twingy, she's a clinical researcher. She wrote a book called The Narcissism Epidemic, I, I want to say almost 10 years ago now. And what she was finding after they did a study on social media was essentially narcissism is on the rise and it is attributed by how much time we're spending on the internet and how much time we're just reaffirming in echo chambers, like what we already believe, but then not considering who told you to believe that, you know? And then you ask yeah, somebody absolutely. that, have you never reconsidered your beliefs? Why would I do that? Why would my parents lie to me? Well, mm -hmm. don't you ever just want to be curious and think outside the box and stop repeating and regurgitating the same thing everybody else is saying, because it gets really redundant, you know? And it's like yeah. the same old thing. And if we were more open-minded to just, I don't, maybe even just let's not talk about all that crap that these programs keep wanting us to talk about. How about mm -hmm. if we talk about something completely different, you know, and it's like people are, well, I don't want to get that deep and I don't want to get that personal and that's none of your business. And why is politics our business? You know, right. why is what's going on with these, these government people, our business really? I don't know. I just think we focus on the wrong things. We allow yeah. too many distractions to interrupt us. And then yeah. we get so cocky and conceited in what we believe that it, it's that threat of self-doubt, I think, that activates us to that anger where mm -hmm. we start fighting rather than going, wait, maybe I don't know what's going. Maybe I don't yeah. know, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this brings up a point. Um, like, I never felt that I love my partner more, that a relationship was stronger than being on TikTok and watching all these toxic videos from both mm -hmm. sides, misogynistic men mm -hmm. and misandrous woman, I guess you want to call it. And it, it's it's, I could see where they're coming from. They're both coming from a place of hurt, right? Oh, yeah. These men are feeling rejected by society. They're feeling like they're being left behind. Mm -hmm. They're feeling like the cart, the, the deck is stacked against them. And then these women are feel like, um, you know, they're, they're fighting so hard for their place in the world and they're still struggling for equality. And yet um, these they're, they're, they believe they're raising themselves up, but men aren't following them up and that men are just being, uh, what, what do I want to use the word, um, uh, taking them for granted or not trying hard enough. Right. Yeah. And so you get these, these toxic views. And what's funny is there is a person on TikTok who considered him, he considered himself a men's coach and he popped up my feed one time. I watched a couple of videos. I responded to one of his things. I said, Hey, um, have you ever thought that maybe the way you're communicating to men isn't very approachable to men you're being too aggressive um would you be talking to men like this in real life and he responded no i wouldn't but you already know that this is the way I'm, i can reach out to these men now the interesting thing is is that he took my comments and decided to run a little test he made two separate videos uh both with the same meaning same intent behind it but completely different ways of presenting it one was very aggressive accusatory and the other was more discussion like different titles same meaning everything else mm -hmm. he's the same day and he asked the people he said which one do you think got more views more likes more shares he goes i'll tell you one thing i thought they're gonna be really close but they were not one of them drastically outperformed the other which one do you think it was the one that was more um uh, aggressive or the one is more calm and collective whatever overwhelmingly it was the aggressive one all the had, had all the engagement it had all the shares right is because it was coming from a place of negativity mm. men here's how you're failing your marriage 
man, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's how you need to fix it. The other one was like, are you worried your marriage is failing? Are you, do you want to know how to fix it? Right. And what was happening is if you look into those videos, the people that were commenting, sharing were angry women, right? They're the ones who are sharing it and stuff like that. So they're the ones who are doing all the shares and all the views and all the comments, but his target was supposed to be men, men. but his algorithm was giving him women. Hmm. And this is what's happening yeah. in my opinion, with TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and all these social media platforms is that they are creating a version of you that you may not want presented. They are, they are basically feeding you this curated content because you may have watched a video one time. So they send yeah. you another one. Well, and, and you then, know, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So basically what's happening is that <laughs> I watched one video, which wasn't even a negative video about relationships. And then another one came on and it was beautiful stuff, right? But then the negative stuff started coming up. Mm. And then I started watching those and then more negative and more negative and more negative. Eventually what happened was, is my For You page on TikTok was nothing except for relationship and negativity. Oh my gosh. Even though in originally I looked for cars, I looked for comedy, I looked for video games. That's what my initial settings were for TikTok when I started for the first time. And that's what happened. My partner says that she has to go every like three weeks, four weeks and completely purge that and start all over. It feels like she's got to start her searches all over again because it gets too, it starts sending her into this weird hole of negativity. Um, and you could say subconsciously, maybe that's what we're looking for, right? Like maybe subconsciously we're looking for that because human nature, we love drama. We oh, love yeah. stuff. But the toxicity of that, that's hitting everybody every single day on these little screens is just telling them how the relationship is bad, how these people are bad. These are red flags. These are narcissists. These, this, 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 the war in Ukraine, the pharmaceutical companies, mm -hmm. the, the, this politician slept with this person. It's just all negative. Yeah. And then we wonder why we're not happy anymore. <laughs> as oh, a you're so right. And you know, that. so this concept about how the algorithm works, you know, and I don't, I've watched TikTokers who want to teach you how to get an algorithm, get followers, get exchanges, right. Get engagement. And, you know, one of the things they always tell you is you need to hit on that pain factor that the goal is to activate the pain factor, because when you activate the pain factor, you're speaking to the widest audience possible because who can't relate to pain, right? Also, you have that aggression, you have that anger, you have that reactivity energy just right there in the introduction. And it's like, you know, what humans do is we do gravitate towards energy, but it, now it's like, which energy gives you the, the most dopamine hits? The negative energy does because that shit lingers with you for days. You can, you can get into it in a comet field in a TikTok video, right? And that shit can linger with you for a whole week. You can be upset about it, right? I mean, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I've, right? I've yep. gotten so activated. I'm like, oh, who does mm -hmm. this person think he is? Da, 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 you know. Right? And before you know it, you've granted so much headspace to someone you don't even know, who said right. something so negative, right? And I always think, you know, what we're not doing is we're not grounding ourselves before we go on social media, right? And so the the first tinge of that aggressive reactive energy, we're sucked in, right? And and I think everybody unconsciously knows this. Our egos draw out our egos, 
The dark energy seeks out the dark energy and that is just what fuels the fire. And, you know, it's funny that you mention all the stuff you see on TikTok. Uh, me and my husband, when we were in bed the other night, you know, scrolling on our phones, which we shouldn't be doing, but we were just laying there before we went to bed and I could just hear him scroll, scroll. Like he's not even on there two seconds. And I'm like, I, all I can hear is fear, 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 panic, panic, anxiety, fear, fear, aggression, pain, you know? And I think it's true what they say. Fear sells better than sex does. Right. And and that's probably why nobody's having sex anymore, mm -hmm. but um, we're all activated. We're all reactive. And here's the thing about reactivity and activation, right? Emotionally speaking, especially when we're talking about a woman's brain, when a woman is activated, when a woman is feeling aggressed or threatened or activated or frustrated, literally her oxytocin shuts off right? All that's activated is cortisol. Oxytocin is what gets her in the mood. That is shut off. Now, how many women are spending hours on TikTok every night before bed, shutting their oxytocin off, right? Activating high cortisol levels, which is not good right before bed. You're not mm -hmm. going to be able to sleep restfully, right? right? Waking up in that cortisol activation because you took it to bed with you and then redoing it every day, right? I, I mean, I've talked to so many women. They're like, I'm just not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. And I'm like, can you put your phone down? Try mm -hmm. that. Try connecting with your husband, not your phone, right? right. And that's it's the, that's the biggest distraction for our connection right now is these phones and how it activates us emotionally. And I know men are like, I don't get it activated emotionally. Oh, we yeah, all do. <laughs> Human beings are literally emotional right. creatures. That's what distinguishes us from every other species. <laughs> and so when our active when our emotions are activated. Right. And, and, and the negative hormones are being pumped out. Nobody wants to get close and touch and be mm -hmm. affectionate and love and, and horizontal refreshments. Right. They want to just keep poking at the ego and activating it, feeling feisty right. and frisky and let's fight. You said anger is more, more stronger than sex or whatever. And here's the thing, right? So you're talking about that couple that sits there and they scroll and what happens is oxytocin and the cortisol. What happens if they have a pretty good relationship? Nothing's really wrong. And she scrolls and watches a video and it's uh, complaining about this other husband who didn't take out the trash and how that made that woman feel. And then they start talking and these videos start talking about the relationships and all these things that these people are doing bad. Suddenly she might look at her own relationships like, you know what? This jackass didn't take out the garbage Ooh, two days ago. Trust me, she does. I've done that. Like yeah. I've started a fight with my husband because something on a TikTok upset me and I, and I, and I had to go, I'm sorry. I, this was a TikTok, but yeah, as you were saying. Yeah. So, I mean, right there is showing that a relationship that didn't have an issue now has an issue because of something on social media. Yeah. And my partner and I, um, you know, she loves light touch. She loves it. It's like, it's for her, it's better than sex and doesn't, not even sensual. I mean, it's kind of sensual, but mostly it's just nothing very sexually, whatever. Um, and almost every night, that's how I put her to sleep. Right. So she's getting that and she loves it. It puts her into such a deep sleep. I feel connected to her because of that, because mm -hmm. I'm, it's, I'm a physical person. So like just having her skin underneath mine just feels so good. Um, so that's like our routine. And I noticed that I do not sleep as well. I don't have a good enough, as good of a day if that doesn't happen. <laughs> right? Like I become so reliant on it for myself um, that and I'm trying to work on that, right? Like I shouldn't be so reliant on that. Well, 
you know, it, touch it, is a natural antidepressant. It is, it is, but uh, it is, but like at the same time, like I'm trying to be extremely aware of my own issues, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody's perfect. I have my own hangups. Um, I was in a sexless, sexless marriage for years, right? So rejection, I still deal with that. Like it mm-hmm. still hurts me to my core because every single time I'm not every single time rejected, but when I'm rejected, the first thing that, that comes to my mind is like, this is a start. This is where it's starting. Oh yeah. Um, this is where it's going to begin. Yeah. I'm going to be in a sexist relationship now. And it like, that's the first emotion that hits me. And mm-hmm. it really, I have to really pay attention to that. That's not true. Um, I struggle with it, try to bring myself out of that moment. Okay. This is not the same relationship. It's not the same woman. Yeah. This is, this is just her for whatever reason, not feeling the moon, not feeling frisky, whatever that has nothing to do. It's not going to lead down the path that you're already with, but it's a trauma, right? I yeah. mean, being in a sexist relationship and, and, and the, the kind of things that put me through, um, not just as a man, but as a person, right? So you start questioning your physical appearance, yeah. your, uh, your abilities as a lover. Um, you start questioning if you are doing enough for them, are you enough for them? And it puts you in this cycle of constant self. I don't know what you want to call it. There's a word for it. Uh, basically you constantly put yourself down because you feel like you're not good enough. And then that cycle just gets repeated over and yeah. over and over again. And it destroys who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get out of that relationship and you start building yourself back up, you're like, yeah, everything's great. And then you get rejected <laughs> in a relationship after who knows, six, seven months, the first time it happens and you're like, and it hurts. It's like, oh my yeah. God, like I was just rejected. So, I mean, after seven years, you know, she's not that woman. She's not going to turn this into a sex relationship, but I still have that fear of rejection. Yeah. And I'm trying to work on it. I really am. She's an amazing partner. She, we, we, I talk about this with her, you know, I just said, Hey, you know, I have, That's this, good. I have this fear of rejection. Like it physically hurts me when I'm rejected because I go into this emotional state where I'm just afraid. And she's like, you have to live in the present. I'm not that. And I'm like, yes, I know. And she, so we talk, we talk about things that most couples would never even broach a subject, cheating, uh, uh, swinging. I mean, we talked about that kind of stuff the first year of relationship, right? Get a baseline, you know? And what's yeah. funny is like what we talked about what, and we talked about what our fears were with each of those things. And as years progressed, those fears kind of went away and yeah. changed. And what we thought was such a big deal isn't such a big deal. We can understand how someone can be polyamorous. We can understand why someone might want to do swinging. We can understand how cheating can happen. Yeah. Um, so we got ourselves into a new kind of relationship where there's not a single thing that either of us is afraid to come together with, no matter how awful we think it is. If, you know, like I said, she's a narcissist. If she starts flirting with someone and she thinks she might've crossed the line, she knows she can come to me and talk to me about it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a very healthy process for really almost a preventive preventative kind of process, right? Like let's talk about the things that scare us before we start hiding the things that scare us. And it sounds like that would be such an, a, an immensely helpful resource to add to like your overall kind of conflict resolution plan for your your marriage or your relationship, right? Is how do we handle the things that we're scared of? And the way that you go to her and you share that with her, and then she affirms you, right? And and and, and tells you what you need to hear. I mean, that's, that's only going to add on to your healing process too, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, if you are ever just really internally struggling with something like that, one thing I encourage people to do is just create an affirmation for yourself when that fear monster pops up, right? Like 
immediately that self-doubt kind of activates like, and I've been there. Right. Like, and so what we have to do is we just have to remember, like, she loves me. I am love. I am good enough. Right. Do I accept me or am I feeling like I'm rejecting myself right now? Cause a lot of times the feelings that, that conjure for us because of the result of a, an action or a stimuli externally is often really doesn't have a lot to do with that. What it more so does is activates a sensational experience from our past, right? Maybe puts you in that zone. And I wonder if when when these fears present themselves, if you ever try and take them further back in your childhood to examine an origin of this oh, oh, rooting, yes. have you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh -huh. what have you discovered with that? Um, I love differently because of my childhood. Um, to be extremely personal, but I was sexually abused at a very young age. Okay. Okay. It happened on Christmas morning. Oh, my parents went sorry. out to get batteries for a toy. Um, this gentleman was at the house, supposed to be watching me. He brought me to the bathroom. And then he came, my parents came home and I told my mom and the look on her face, right? At that moment, as a five-year-old boy, I thought she was mad at me, right? I thought she was disgusted with me. Mm. And that I carried that for a long time. In fact, it wasn't until my mid-20s actually remember that I was abused because I kept having these weird dreams and the sexual acts that were taking place, it makes sense to me because I was remembering as a five-year-old, these things don't make sense to a five-year-old. Yeah. And then I was still dreaming of these things. And like, it didn't make sense until for some reason, like it was like 23 or 24, like it just clicked. And I'm like, that, that's what that was. That wasn't, that wasn't what you were thinking because you were five, that was something else. And then when, when I remember that it started, things started making sense about my what I craved in the bedroom and stuff like that. And then after the years and now with my new partner, I really examined the way I fear. I, I do everything I can to make other people happy because I was so afraid to make my mom mad at me, right? The person who loves me the most, she was so disappointed in me and so mm -hmm. mad at me during Christmas, which is when you're supposed to get gifts and be happy, right? So Christmases after that weren't, I was always anxious. I was I was so afraid for Christmas, right? Like I was mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, like I'm going to be just, you know, disappointment and stuff like that and birthdays and all this other kind of stuff. And then my partner was like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Nothing. What do you want for your birthday? Nothing, right? Because it was a fear of the past, right? Like a, a very joyous thing became something so sour. Yeah. And then also how I go to try to show my affections for people is I, I didn't feel like I got the love from them but I felt love internally by giving love externally. Yeah. So I was filling my love cup up by loving others, making them happy made me extremely happy. Mm -hmm. And that's how I formed relationships. All my romantic relationships, I've always been the one who gave and gave and gave and allowed to be in relationships where I wasn't getting anything in return because I was being satiated by my own love for someone else mm, right okay. which put me in a dangerous place with my current partner when i felt that a relationship change that we were having was going to not give me the little bit of love that i kind of needed from her to keep my cup completely full yeah um, i felt that was going to go away and then that was just it broke me i'm like oh my god like i don't allow myself to be loved nearly enough as i love someone else and if I'm only allowing so little bit of love to come into my own personal cup, 
there's nothing there that can be lost. As soon as anything is taken away from there, I'm left feeling like I'm not loved. Mm. And that's where the, I believe part of it led to my breakup, my, my marriage. I allowed the act of horizontal refreshment, as you would say, whatever, to be an act of love, right? Like to show me love and affection. So when that went away, you say my partner never had to do anything else for me. He never had to say, I love you or buy me little gifts or do acts of service. I did all those things, but I never got any of those return. Mm. Soon as a little thing that kind of made me feel loved was taken away, I just felt like I wasn't worth anything, you know, in a relationship. Yeah. And I wonder if now moving forward, you know, too, that even if your wife maybe doesn't have the time to fill up your love cup, you can do it yourself, right? And you can love yourself and you can, you can give yourself the validation and the witnessing, especially when your childhood memories pop up, right? The thing I always like to do is when my childhood memories activate, I try and just go visit myself and like tell myself what I needed to hear that like, you know, probably my mom or my dad couldn't give me at the time because they, they just didn't have the tools or resources, but I do now. Right. And so when my activation surge, that's the one thing I do. And I'm like, I am just being a scared little girl right now. And that's because at some moment in my childhood, I had a need for something here. Can I give it to myself now? Right. And when you think about the power of the mind and what you can do with your mind, you can fill up your own cup. Right. And then your cup can overflow and you don't even ever have to worry about is someone else adding to my cup. I've added enough. My cup just flows. Right. And for me, I kind of think that was the central tenet of Jesus. What he was maybe trying to convey is like when you're aligned with, you know, God, spirit, creator, your, your, your faucet's always running. Right. The cup's always filling. And sometimes we forget that. Right. And so then we're like, no, I need an external filler. But Mm-hmm. What if you both serve you well, you know, right, you yeah. can fill and then other times other people can fill and then you can fill for them and, and all that stuff. And so that's always a, that's just a good way to, to when that scared little boy shows up, you know, when scared little mm-hmm. Brad shows up, like, how can I go greet him and give him what he needs so that I'm feeling okay now? And I'm not worrying about my cup being emptied, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Very, very good idea. Yeah. I, um, like I said, it, it, it takes a lot to have yeah. the introspective of yourself to identify behaviors oh, yeah. and what cause you to have those behaviors. Oh yeah. And even though I can understand why it's still hard to change. Oh yeah. Right? So it's always worked just like narcissism, you know, um, mm-hmm. you're telling me that this is what I can do to help. Right. But we don't tell narcissists, here's what you can do to kind of like maybe make a change in your life. Um, and I keep on going back to the narcissism just because like, I feel like you said, they get such a bad rap. Yeah. We want to discredit them. We want to say there's no hope for them. And I'm thinking, where are all these 80 year old, nine year old narcissists? Where are these 70 year old narcissists? Where'd they go? Yeah. You know, like, are they, are they really that bad at 70 still? Are they really that bad at 80? I don't know. I can't think of any narcissist. I I can't remember any grandparents that were narcissists. I can, um, I can think of in my mind. Um, so did they change? Did the narcissism no longer benefit them? And now they became different people. If that's the case, then why can't narcissists in their thirties or forties be different or twenties be different? Um, So like I said, my partner is an amazing woman. I can't believe the the progress she's made. Um, I'm proud of her every day. I tell her every day when she tells me these things and, and confesses like how she's feeling and what the choices she's made. I remind her every day that even though, 
you recognize you don't feel the empathy, but you recognize that you should feel empathy at that moment is a huge step. You could see it. Yes, I although I don't feel empathy for the fact that this person might have thought I was flirting with them, I do realize that I probably should feel empathy towards them. Yeah. Because that means that she's recognizing her own behaviors and she's recognizing that she does have an impact and and what she does matters. And that's something that for many narcissists, they don't, right? They just don't care. Yeah. You know, they do what they want. Um, so I believe that most narcissists. And like I said, most women you believe, or they were saying there are narcissists to a certain level. Oh yeah. I men are too, right? Oh, like definitely. Everybody is. Right. It's just like we we go to a certain other narcissists are just more narcissistic. Yeah. Um, but it's it's crazy how we can look back like, oh, that person's a narcissist and you know, they're so evil, and then never look into ourselves and say, Well, I've done that. And I've exactly. done the same kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. And like right in, in the way people try and narrow down individuals too. And then of course it's like all the people who are so freely label other people as narcissists. It's like, have you even taken a psychology class? Like, let alone have a degree. And do you understand like the depth and, and, and studying that is required to even be able to really properly identify a narcissist from a not right. And so it's like, rather than us trying to diminish people and label people and go out of our way to be like, this person is a narcissist. You know, what I think is more important is whatever that person showed you, are you really denying that you saw a reflection of yourself in that behavior? You know, like you said, like we all act a certain way. These traits that are often labeled as narcissistic traits are also human traits. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we all gaslight, we all love bomb. We all try and go out of our way to make up for something we fucked up on real big time. And then we stop because we're like, well, everything's okay now. Mm -hmm. And I think, Honestly, can I, if I can be totally honest, I think in speaking for a woman, I am four different people once a month. Okay. And, um, sometimes I'm crazy and other times I just cry over everything. And other times I'm highly sexual and other times I'm highly creative. And if we're willing to like, stop trying to box women into like this one general collective blah, blah, and just, you know, women are a variance of mm-hmm. a creature and she reveals yourself to degrees throughout the month and you, you don't want to box her in and generalize her. And then if we go over to men and do the same thing, like right. they are consistent, patternized, habitual creatures who are literally wired for aggression and sex. Okay. If we don't understand these basic biological foundations of our wirings and the benefit of these wirings, hello, civilization still prevails Mm -hmm. um we're just always going to be butting heads assigning labels and finding ways to basically say people are irredeemable Mm -hmm. right and it's like the 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 purpose of a relationship is so you can see your a reflection of yourself in the other person and go oh my god i really am not alone in this universe And, and here yeah. you are, but oh my God, we're actually really alike. Yes, men and women are very freaking different. But like when we get into that love partnership, you and me are the same. We're one, mm-hmm. right? You reflect me, I reflect you. And the judgment and the keeping record of wrongs and the who's worse and who's more, you know, all yeah. that stuff has to go out the window. And we have to just, the person in front of us, the person in front mm-hmm. of us, not the narratives that the people want us to attach to the person in front of us, Yeah, I think would help us like really disarm and deactivate and really unify and connect. And uh, uh, hopefully eventually we'll get there. 
Um, But I, I think in just sharing like your experience of being with someone with NPD is super important in letting people know, like you, even if you think you see narcissism, that doesn't have to be a way for you to go away. It doesn't have to be a reason for you to cut and run. That doesn't have to be a reason for you to think, oh my God, all I do is attract all these, these horrible people, right? It's like, what is this person trying to reflect for you? And what Mm -hmm. it, and you know, the other thing is, Amago therapy is stipulated on this idea that we are unconsciously drawn to the partners that we are because there's something in them that can help us heal our unhealed wounds. And actually they might have the same unhealed wound, you know? And isn't that amazing that like through love you can heal? And isn't Absolutely. that what we should focus on? Not oh, here's all my brokenness. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're brokenness. Blah, blah, blah. Love heals it though. So like bring it into the love and then be willing to see the reflection <laughs> that your yeah. partner shows you in that mirror, right? Yeah, it's it's amazing because one thing is like, you know, my partner, I communicate so much. And one thing she's told me time and time again is that it's the fact she feels that she can be herself. Mm. She can truly be herself, which means that she can dress how she wants. She can talk to who she wants. She can do all this kind of stuff. And she said it's the first time in her life she's ever felt that way. Um, the freedom to feel like she's not being controlled or someone's trying to change her. And as a man, I know that feeling, right? I've been in relationships where people try to change you. We get this idea that we must change our partner. And that because we're telling, and here's the thing, we're telling them that they're not perfect. Well, yeah, they're not perfect. But now we're telling them that they're not perfect for us, that they need to be different if we're going to love them. And it's such a horrible thing to put on somebody Mm -hmm. that you don't deserve their unconditional love unless you check these boxes that you need to fix about yourself. So here's all the negative things you are. Fix these and I'll love you unconditionally. Yeah. And my partner and I, we love each other unconditionally. We will bury bodies for each other. She comes to me and says, Hey, ride or die. I, I need you to, I need you to pack a shovel. I'm right yeah. there. I'm yeah. right there. Like no questions asked. Right. And um, the unconditional love aspect is where, you know, I can, it's the truth of that. It's the, it's the idea that your partner can confess things and they can hurt your feelings they can do something inadvertently to really hurt your soul. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you realize that they still love you. You love them. This is just something that you guys can work through. You guys communicate yeah. through. And that especially was inadvertently. <laughs> it was an accident. They didn't mean to do it. They didn't realize that this was going to hurt you because of something or, or they said something. They didn't realize you're going to take that way because today you're in a mood to take it wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then to like, just sit there with you and be like, and work these out, work things out, work the emotions out and let you have those emotions, cry, uh, vent a little bit, but at the end of it all, you still come together yeah. because that's what's so important. And I think the biggest thing that's struggling in society right now for relationships is the social media negativity. We are surrounded by negativity. We feed off negativity. I think we're allowing this negativity to destroy our own relationships because we're hearing love bombing. Oh my God love bombing? What is that? Oh, that's when someone like starts giving you gifts and, and is very attentive and all this kind of stuff. Like, Oh my God, that's what this guy's doing right now. He's love bombing me. I better stop. Maybe he just really likes you. I know. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's trying to, he's trying to show that he likes you so much and he's so into you and he he sees a future with you that he wants to do everything he can to make you happy. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not love bombing. Maybe it's just wooing. He's a wooer. Men are yeah. supposed to woo women, aren't they? Right. I know. And that's just something that women wanted, right? For a long time, so. women wanted flowers. They wanted... And now they're like, no, I don't want the... Well, what do you because want, woman? Love bombing. 
because now I love bombing, right? Yeah. And um, just like the nurses, everybody's a narcissist now. Yeah. Um, and gaslighting right now, everybody's a gaslighter. Everybody's gaslighting now. Half these people don't even know what the term gaslighting means. Oh, I know. They use it incorrectly all the time. If I disagree with you, doesn't mean I'm gaslighting you. Yeah. Right. And that's what people understand, right? Like yeah. they're like, if you disagree with me, you're gaslighting me. You're you're trying to tell me that I'm my my reality is and I'm like, again, we talk about reality how you perceive something might not be the way it's being perceived. If you try to tell someone that you're mm. gaslighting them now. Yeah. So if they're like, yeah, my boyfriend, like he's just, he doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. And, and then uh, you say, well, you know, does, does he think you really need that? Or have you communicated that you're just gaslighting me? Cause I'm like, Oh God, the conversation's over. And I try, I really do try to post only positive comments to TikTok videos. Yeah. If I see something and, um, you know, I try to, even if it's a negative topic and even has a negative connotation to it, it's in a, it's in a light for sympathy or empathy, never in rage or anger. Yeah. So, um, there was a video on TikTok about some dating show and some guy was just, the woman was so mean to him and stuff like that. And my comment was, is the worst part is this man is going to have, because of my own personal understanding is going to have a fear of rejection going forward. And he's going to carry that in other relationships. Oh yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a negative comment, but it wasn't that woman, such a horrible person. And you got to avoid people like that. It was like, here's empathy towards this man. Here's what he's going yeah. to feel going forward. So maybe some people in the one of likes that God is most like comment ever made, but it's people reading it, understanding it, right? They're like, yes. So now yeah. maybe those people, when they get into a relationship, and someone's telling them about, you know, like their partner constantly rejected them when it came to anything, uh, any kind of like quality time together, horizontal refreshments or any other kinds of need they wanted. They were being rejected constantly. Maybe they can look and say, you know what, maybe they are going to have a negative reaction if I do this to them. It doesn't mean I have to, Yeah. but now maybe I can try to explain why I can't do this thing for them, why I can't go to the movies with them today, or why we're not going to have sex today. Instead of just saying no, be like, hey, you know, I would love to. Other things came up or yeah. whatever. Because like I said, as somebody who deals with problems with rejection, just telling me no, that's going to activate, <laughs> right? But telling me, sorry, I would love to, but I can't because this, that does wonders, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, and that's what a lot of people understand about everything in every aspect of the relationship. It's how we communicate. Yeah. You can't just say you got to communicate. If you don't know how to communicate to your partner, then all you're doing is communicating the wrong way and they're not going to be able to communicate back. So yeah. anybody, it doesn't matter. Like just because I'm a man and you're a woman doesn't mean you can communicate with me the way you understand and communicate with yourself because I'm not going to understand yes. that. Yes. I'm not going to read between the weird lines. That you know? is so important. Not only that, but also like we have to be mindful that even though we think we already know what we want to say, we have to consider is what we're saying, what our partner wants us to say, right? And if we're not willing to negotiate through that choice, then I would say you're you're not really ready to be in a relationship. Because I think the biggest, the biggest part about relationships most people missed is relationships ask you to step up your responsibility level, right? Like, I hear so many people like, this is what I bring to the table and this is what I do. And da, da, da. and I'm like, good, you're a big boy. You can wipe your own ass. Mm. Mm -hmm. Any grown adult can. Can you be responsible for someone outside of yourself? That's the whole, that's why we go, you know what? I'm super responsible. I can wipe my own ass. I can feed my own face. 
I wonder if I can do a relationship and wipe somebody else's ass Mm -hmm. and feed, you know, that's, I know that's such a simplistic way to look at it, but it's like, we pat ourselves on the back for, I pay rent. I have a house. Good job. You adulted. Marriage is about, I want to be responsible beyond my own self-serving concerns. And I want to provide for the wants and desires of another person. That's an upgrade. That's an optimal, Mm -hmm. purposeful, meaningful life where you're going beyond yourself. It's not just about, hey, I'm surviving. Yeah, I kept myself alive for 30 years. Good job. You know, any idiot can do that. Mm -hmm. Can you take care of other people, right? And yourself, right? And then that's the balance we struggle with. I think women do this more, especially mothers. Oh, I'm going to take care of everybody else. And then you let yourself go to shit. Mm -hmm. So we have to find the balance. It's about, yeah, take care of yourself as a grown ass adult. But also when you sign up for this relationship ordeal, that's you going, my responsibility, please give it to me. Mm -hmm. Let me prove myself to you. Not, I don't have to do it. Because like, you're not just a one anymore. You're, you're a we, right? It's not just about you and me. It's a we thing. And so it's adding on the responsibility of everything that dynamic brings to you. And I often hear so many people go, that's a her problem. That's a him problem. That's not, that's not, no, that's literally not how it works in long-term relationships. If you are getting intimately romantically involved with someone in a committed long-term ordeal, it's never, no, you're not a me anymore. You're a we. And then everything is our issue to work through together. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. The, um, the, the idea of being in love, right? Like if we examine how it makes us feel and what we do to try to gain love and then we stop, right? We get any long-term relationships and we stop. We don't do those things that made that person fall in love with us. Yeah. You know, like the love bombing, right? Like, and in our relationship, it's, we're both constantly trying to fill the other's cup. We're like, I will go above and beyond like Uh, like serving each other. Oh, absolutely. Like it's funny. Like, you know, the, um, uh, there's all these men that make jokes about like, they sit down the couch and then their partner asks for a glass or a glass of water, singles, TikToks, they're all over the place. They make jokes. They're, they're kind of like making these videos of that's a bad thing. Like, Oh, I can't believe she's doing that to me. Instead of being like, you know what? Like, this shows how much I care for her because even though I just sat down, I'm willing to get up and get her that drink with a smile on my face because yeah. I care for her. Yeah. I'd rather me be uncomfortable, me have to stand up and do this that. than her do that. Yeah. Right. And I think as men, I I feel I I feel a lot of men want to do that. We want to be the provider. We want to protect. We want to do all these masculine things to make our our partners, our women, whatever safe and cared for but yet we kind of get upset when we they want us to do that (laughs) and i don't understand why a lot of men get upset doing that and i think that's what these women are doing honestly i think when we sit down it's not really a test i think it's more of a they are doing this because they want that act of service from you they they want that feeling that he just did this for me yeah and and I'm constantly, please ask me what you want. I'll, I'll do it. Not I love- that I'm going to roll over, but like, yeah. yes, that's what I need that. Let, let me, let me show you how much I love you. Right? Yeah. I would serve each other. Right. And that's something like John Gottman has talked about in through the Gottman Institute. And, you know, he's a, he's a world renowned clinical researcher and, 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 and relationship therapist. 
And that's one of the things that he often says that marriage is about. It's just about outserving each other, right? Outserving your best friend. And I mean, right? Like even today, it was funny. Something similar happened. Um, I was outside having a cigarette. My husband doesn't smoke. And I had one. And then some time went by and I was like, oh, I should have brought both my cigarettes out. I want another one because we were just talking. And we're the same distance away from going in the house to get my cigarettes. But he's like, I'll get it. You know, he doesn't smoke. Mm -hmm. And I, I joked and I said, this is all anybody wants, right? Yeah. We are at the equal distance. And you're like, no, baby, I got you. And Absolutely. I would do the same for my husband, mm -hmm. right? Like he'll say something like, babe, I'm hungry and I don't know what to eat. Do you want me to make you something? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And then he's like grateful all day. Right. And Absolutely. it's like, what do you want me to do? Tell me. And we have kind of a similar dynamic. It's like, we don't walk around like expecting to read each other's minds. Mm -hmm. And when we need help or we need something from each other, we ask for it. When we want something from each other, we ask for it. But in that, in that weird cheerful servants, you know, like we always just want to give to each other. Like, yeah, babe, what do you want me to do for you? It becomes That's, a game. It almost, right. And it's like, who's gonna, who's gonna do more yep. loving actions today yep. and who's going to be more grateful today. Mm -hmm. And that's the competition we should have with each other. Not you're a bigger asshole than I am. Nope. You're both assholes. Go see if you can go out, appreciate each other, right. Go yep. out complimenting, praise each other. These are the competitions we should have instead of yep. the, the, the diametrically opposed. You are my enemy. Cause that's the thing that, I agree with you, right? Like I scroll TikTok and I'm like, I'm so glad I have my husband. Holy yeah, shit. Right? I'm so glad. <laughs> um, because I think, who are these miserable people who stay in these relationships and then just spend all their time bitching about it? Mm -hmm. And all they have is resentment and pain. And I get it. If we carry that pain around and we don't, if we don't feel it and heal it, we're always in it. Right. And so Again, love comes in. Love is that healing power. And these people are resisting love, resisting that healing power, all because they feel so self-righteous in their anger and their rage and their resentment and how they were wronged and victim mentality. And I'm like, what happened to Victor mentality? Right, what yeah. happened to overcoming and going, screw you people and your status quo ideas. I'm going to do me. We're going to do us. We're going to outlove each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Where is that? I yeah. wish. Yeah. One of the things that I, I actually fell in love with my partner for, which is so weird, right? Because this, this is how it was supposed to happen. Um, my partner was so appreciative of everything I did for her. Mm. If it, from the start, right? Like she, she was a single mom struggling. Right. And for Christmas, I was, we were first started talking and she was talking about how she was going to secondhand store to buy her, her son, our son now gifts for Christmas. And I'm like, no. So I sent her money through Amazon and said, here, buy him this and buy some other stuff. That was the first new thing she was able to buy him. And the gratitude she had, right? Like, because that meant something to her. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, this is the first time I've given something and I've gotten like actual gratitude for it. And then throughout her entire relationship, like this, I get her a glass. I ask her if she wants something. I bring it back to the, the amount of appreciation she has for that, right? Like she'll almost start crying sometimes because it's, I don't have to do those things. I want to do those things. It's going to make me happy. And the fact that she knows I'm happy doing them, like really just, it just fills up a piece of her heart. And so that's what like constantly pushes me to do more. Like, I mean, woman, like she figured the key, she figured the key to, to get anything she wants from me, right? Show me that you appreciate it. Show me that you're gracious for it. 
um, you know, really like, just let me know that you understand that I'm doing this out of a place of love and I'll do anything you ask. I'll sell a kidney if it means I can get you something you want. Right. Um, and that's how our relationship has been is, you know, like I'll just send her, she's a stay-at-home mom. Right. But does she go out shopping? Does she get her nails done? She go, yes, she does all the things. And I send her money, you know, if she, if she tells me, Hey babe, I'm, I'm going to Marshall's. I'm whatever. Next thing you know, I'll send her a hundred bucks in Venmo. I'm like, here you go. And then like, she, she's not expecting it. She's not asking for it. And then she just gets it. And then she's like, oh, right. Like I actually get to go shopping with, I wasn't planning. I was going to go window shopping or whatever. I was letting you know I was in town. Right. And it's just like those kinds of acts that I don't have to do. If I stop doing them, she still loved me. But the fact that I do those because I love her so much and she's so appreciative of them and she does things in turn to show me how much she loves me that I just want to keep it going. You know, like if she does something for me, you better believe that for the next three days, I'm trying to outdo it as much yeah. as I can. She bought me a grill for my birthday and took me out with our friends for like a week straight. I can't, I can't even remember how much I spent on this woman to show how much I appreciated and, and felt that love and that connection she gave me to try to up it and make her feel how I felt at the time, which was such a high state. So I'm like, I'm doing everything I can to push you up to where I was. And that's kind of how we operate at all times. You know, she's constantly doing simple things, simple things, stopping my work unannounced. Just you guys, hi. you guys sound like you have uh, a very healthy dynamic of like implementing bids for connection. Like if I'm just going off of like, right, the Gottman Institute is my go-to place for, for learning and coaching and, 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 and relationship education. Right. And you, you're hitting like all of the like success factors. Right. And, and, and then the one thing that really, really helps solidify this is that Gratitude is a generator of that same energy, right? And so you have this constant circle of gratitude between the two of you. All it can do is generate more love, more appreciation, mm -hmm. and more affection, right? That attitude of gratitude, it's a silly adage, but at the same time, it's, you have no idea what being grateful can actually unlock for you in a relationship. Right. All it, it, It's simple as thank you so much. I appreciate you. What that can unlock in vulnerability and connection mm -hmm. is just phenomenal. And- I feel like we live in a society that is like anti-gratitude, right? Yep. Like I shouldn't have to say thank you. I shouldn't yep, have to ask for help. Why shouldn't you? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to be a decent human being. You shouldn't have to like extend a little bit of civil courtesy. Like where did you grow up? Like in a prison? Like why would mm -hmm. you think that it's, we need to get rid of gratitude. Like when right. we get rid of things to be appreciative of, when we stop seeing the things to be grateful for, then all you have left is, is things to complain about mm -hmm. and and you have a really dark lens on life, right? And it's mm -hmm. like, pick your lens. Which way do you want to see the world? Through the eyes of gratitude or or, or disgust and, and not enough and I need more. And if he wanted to, he would. <laughs> yeah, I know. And here's the crazy part, right? So you're talking about the God Institute and all the stuff, how, how relationship is. And she's a narcissist, right? So what really baffles me is I'm hearing and watching TikTok videos of these relationships failing and they're failing and, and all these issues. And I'm like, you guys are failing on easy mode. Yeah. Like, I, I'm with a narcissist who could easily, easily like completely destroy me. Right. She has the power to do that. She's done it to could other have men. a very difficult, dysfunctional relationship with her. Extremely, yeah. extremely like, 
like she would, uh, here's the thing. I could do this podcast. She knows it's happening. If she was the other type of narcissist, right? Really controlling, this would not happen. This would not happen. At no. all. <laughs> no. She would not have told me she was so happy I'm doing it, you know, and like so excited for me that, you know, but she's, uh, she's a narcissist who has control. Yeah. And so when I hear these relationships failing and I'm like, I, I don't get it. I don't get how you guys can fail something that seems so easy when like all the cards are should be stacked against our relationship. I mean, yeah. her being a narcissist and and my traumas, right? Like this shouldn't work. Um, and it's that, like I said, the gratitude and all that stuff. Like she is a narcissist who uses people to get what she wants. Me giving her stuff, she wouldn't feel gratitude about that if she's being narcissistic. Yeah, she would just true. expect it, and that's the part of the change. I mean, that's the type of changes she's made in recognize herself and and really connecting. And right now she's on this kick. She was on um, last week. She was with her mom for a whole week for her birthday, and she came home and she's like, you know what? I'm only living in the moment. I'm not going to focus on the past. I'm not going to focus on the future. I'm not going to live in fear of the future, and she's really pushing it on me and I'm trying, right? It's a very hard concept, but man, the change she's, this woman can change her personality and her outlook very quickly. And, you know, like I, like I said, I wish I could take the credit for her coming over nursing, but it really was all her. Um, and I think that's one thing we don't give nurses enough credit for is like, they do have the power to change. They yeah. can change. They, yeah, they can just be need someone people. to believe in them and encourage them and love Absolutely. them and accept them through it. And I think, I mean, to a degree, I think the credit here is your love and your acceptance of her and your patience of her, right. Which provides her with the environment and the safety that she needs mm -hmm. to be able to work internally on herself and not feel embarrassed about it, not feel like she's taking time away from you. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what people need, especially when they're going through healing a, a specific trauma is they just need their partner to be there for them and hold space for them, not necessarily mm -hmm. solve their problems or do it for them. And what you're doing, you encourage her, you appreciate her, you accept her and, and you support her, right? You're like, I'll bury a body for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've shown her you're a safe person. She can be vulnerable with you. And if more couples were willing to do that, and what yeah. that means for you too, is that you had to overcome your own fears and vulnerabilities. Like, mm -hmm. especially I'm sure a doubt monster, like, can I handle this? Can I do this? You know, you've got to wrestle against your own ego going, we ain't fucking with this. No, 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 don't, don't screw with this. And you're like, well, I think I have it in me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and for you to overcome your own self-doubt in your own insecurity in your own fear of rejection and then to, yeah that's that's the power of love and its healing ability right mm -hmm. is that it does transform us it transforms our wounds and and allows us to move forward in this connection with each other so i mean to those listening uh take notes from brad here and and apply 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 appreciate 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 um, and with that, I just, I got a wrap here, but I want to thank yeah. you so much, well, thank not you. only for reaching out to me and sharing your thoughts and insight, but really for sharing space with me today, sharing your story. Um, can we just say hello to your wife by first name, just so we don't have her as the narcissist <laughs> um, or does she uh, want to remain anonymous? I just don't want to discredit her. 
That's she fine. She kind of does. That's fine. Um, only because a lovely she does have a social wife. media platform. Oh, you know, well, we don't want to. We don't want to interrupt yeah. with that. So um, yeah, but like, yeah, I, you know, um, we'll call her Amy. How about that? Okay. Well, <laughs> sending enough. love to her and just to mm-hmm. let her know, I appreciate that you were willing to share parts of her story. It yeah, means and a I'm lot. hoping, and I'm hoping at one point she will. She wants to talk about herself. She really does. Um, she's captivating. She could command a room. Um, and I, and she feels that narcissism gets a bad rap and yeah. I think she has more insight into her own behaviors and her own journeys. And I do, um, she's gone through a lot. She's, she, I, 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 I keep on saying how amazing woman she is, not just because of her narcissism and the fact that she overcame that, but as a genuine human being and how she has changed for the better as a person is like something I strive to do myself. Like I try to be a better person because of watching her make these changes. I love that. Do you know, that's what I say about my husband. Like I always thought like he was such a great man that like he always, I feel like Jack Nicholson on is as good as it gets. Like, but he, (laughs) my husband makes me want to be a better person too. And so I think that's a testament of love, right? It can, it can, a rupture open this desire to like go well I, i've been okay but damn i need to step up my game like i need to yeah. be as cool as this person i love and Absolutely. and that's how love just continues to encourage us to keep healing and to keep growing and that transformative agent if yeah. your wife is ever interested in talking about it i'd love to invite her on the podcast but we can of course be patient and wait for her time but again i just want to thank you so much i appreciated this conversation I think it's going to be a benefit to the, our listeners and I hope you have a great day, Brad. Yeah, you too. I hope you enjoy spring because it's been really nice. Oh my here. God. I'm so excited. I've got seedlings started. I'm starting Ooh. some more this week. I'm so anxious to get in the garden. <laughs> I'm a garden freak. So oh, awesome. I'm, I'm excited. I'll, I'll hit you up for some tips because I, I would garden. love to share. <laughs> I'd love to share. I'll send you some salsa, Brad. I'll send you some Perfect. salsa. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, being on the platform. Uh, I love your content. I love you. that you speak from a, from a spot, not of like, uh, how would I put that? You, you use knowledge, right? you, you reference books, you reference the, the psychological and educational parameters that you've heard and, and, and studied over the years to bring a perspective. You're not just someone on here who's got a word life coach because they want to be. Because yeah. they could just call themselves anything they want to be on TikTok. No, trust me, sometimes I still go, maybe I'm not ready to do this yet. Maybe a few more years, but right. I had to but put I love the fact there. that you are actually <laughs> citing scientific journals or scientific Thanks. books because to anybody could say anything. They can blow smoke out yeah. of your ass. They can say anything they want. But when you actually have the book in your hand, you're reading from it, right? And you're and you're telling the people who's watching, like this is this is what this and then you say, here's what this means. Here's the behavior you're exhibiting, this is where it's coming from. Yeah. It's so important. It's it it it's, it makes everything else on here where people are just talking on their ass. It's like, why are we listening to these people who don't even have any kind of knowledge, don't even own a book like this? <laughs> and yet they're telling us what's wrong in our relationships. They're telling us what's wrong with us. They're calling us narcissistic and, and love bombers and and gaslighters. And they they don't even have the 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 tools to actually educate themselves to help us. And so I really appreciated your channel. I appreciate your podcast. I've listened to quite a few of those. Um, They're in the car. I listen to them. 
Uh, I'm, you know, I'm I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm going to finish doing all because you have quite a few and this is the rest of them and do some more. And I hope we're going to gonna have one touch. more now. <laughs> yes. And I hope to keep in touch. Yeah, um, me too. Definitely. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much again. Thanks, Greg. You have a wonderful night. You Take too. Bye-bye.